when I was uh, a student at Shorter College and was finishing my uh, Christian ministry degree there, um, I was the music guy at Heaven's Attic at the Christian bookstore in town, and a lot of you guys uh, got to know me a long time ago uh, when I was there. And so uh, it was after Kim and I had gotten married that summer, and um, my, I had gotten my degree, and my, and my prayer to the Lord was, God, if, if you, um, like I'm not going to go chasing after an opportunity to serve, I, uh, I want you to open a door, and until then I'm, I'm content to continue to serve in what I'm doing. So I just got up every day and went to work at the bookstore like I always did, and then one day um, this guy came walking through the doors, and my little music desk is, you know, right there. I can see him walking through the doors, and, and he had already been a part of our lives. He would already been a part of Kim's life growing up. He sang in our wedding. We, we knew Billy, but Billy came down that center aisle of that store and came up to me at the desk, and, and he said, hey, I, I came in here to see if you would be interested in a, in a part-time youth ministry position at, at the church that I'm pastoring. So um, he was there from the very beginning. And so it was only fitting um, that when the committee said who would be somebody that you would have to come and speak uh, on the day that we install you as pastor of our church, there was no question in my mind who that needed to be. And so uh, I'm very, very pleased and humbled and grateful. Uh, and I said I wasn't going to cry to have uh, Billy Freaks come and, and share the word with us this morning. So if you will please give a warm Lindell welcome to Billy Freaks. The psalmist wrote, Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he who hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth how long? All generations. Amen. Make a joyful shout unto the Lord. That's what's been going on this morning. Brother Bob said, I'm going to fight you for the opportunity to preach this morning. I said, you got a fight on your hands. Floyd Battles used to say at Pleasant Valley South after singing something like that, he'd say, I believe anybody can preach after that, and he didn't introduce me to preach. <laughs> you know, after Eric's introduction, uh, I, I, uh, I always feel humble by an introduction like that, but also regretful because I know after I finish, they're going to say he didn't deserve that kind of introduction. <laughs> but I tell you what, I have... Uh, I feel so honored and privileged to be able to stand here today. Um, this is a very special service of installation for my dear friend, my brother in Christ, my fellow minister in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and Eric has called me this before. I'm his father in the faith. I feel like he's my son in the faith, just like Paul and Timothy have that very special relationship. It's just such a blessing for me to be here today for this very special time in Eric's life and in the life of this church. And 
It's impossible for me to put into words, Eric, and I want this church to know. And my, I'm trying not to cry to you, okay? I got one. I got one. I got one. Uh, it's hard for me to put into words the impact that young man right there has had on me personally and on my family. It's just, uh, it's been awesome. And uh, the way God put us together, Eric has already told you a little bit about that. And, uh, you know, I, I have known Eric, I think I've known Eric all of his life. Um, but it was just kind of a casual acquaintance up until that divine appointment, I believe, that, uh, that God orchestrated there in heaven's attic. Um, we had, I'd been at Antioch uh, out in Big Texas Valley for about two years and uh, God was really blessed in spite of the pastor. God was doing a great work there and uh, we were seeing a lot of people uh, come to know the Lord and the people that God was bringing to our church were families with, with children and youth. And we had, you know, we'd have a volunteer that would work with the youth occasion and another volunteer. And so I, uh, and of course this is my first pastorate now. Uh, so, I mean, I was green as the day is long, and I didn't know a whole lot. And, but I did know that God was doing something, and we as a church need to respond to what God was doing. Because, you know, as, as Henry Black would be taught in experiencing God, when we see God at work, that is our invitation to join Him in what He's doing. We're not supposed to wait until we get a written note from the Lord saying you need to do this. So I knew God was doing something. I, I had that much sense. And uh, so I began to pray, and God put Eric on my mind, and, and uh, I knew what kind of young man he was. So we did. We, I, I convinced him to start with. And, you know, it's like pulling teeth in an old stat church, 150 years old. It's like pulling teeth anytime you want to do something different, you know. Uh, so, you know, everything's been fine. Like, you can just hear, man, everything's good. You know, we don't need to make any changes. Everything's all right just like it is. Well, I knew better. And so... We, uh, I convinced them that we need to try Eric on a part-time basis, and he and Kim prayed about that. And now they'd been married four months, I think, when y'all came out there. They, they were newly, newly weds. And, uh, but they prayed and, and sensed that God was leading them out there, and eventually we got to call them full-time. Now, I know the salary didn't seem like full-time, but uh, we can say we got a full-time youth minister now because we're paying him $10 an hour. He's a little more than that, but anyway. Um, <laughs> But uh, immediately the people at Antioch just fell in love with Eric and Kim. And uh, so they just fit right in. And they, uh, uh, the, the, the youth there just responded so well to them. And, and it was just a blessing to see what God was doing in and through uh, their leadership. And so um, our, our daughter Abby, who is now Abby Hastings, uh, an active member here with her husband, Mike, and our two awesome grandsons, Liam and Luke. Liam, I just called your name. Luke, I did. And uh, so, uh, but uh, they're, they're active members here. And, and, and Abby, uh, the impact Eric had on Abby's life at a very difficult time in her life uh, is just, I, I'll just never uh, be able to thank the Lord and Eric for how he, how he positively influenced her, along with all the other young people. At, uh, at Antioch and you know I, I distinctly remember how Eric and Kim came in they immediately embraced uh, Antioch's vision I'd led the church to you know let's define our vision what we're all about and what we sense God is leading us to do and they embraced that and got involved in in all areas of ministry and uh, just uh, just got God just really used them but because our church was committed to strengthening families one of the things that we did every year was a marriage retreat uh, to Gatlinburg 
And so uh, Eric and Kim, they, they signed up for that. And so they, uh, in the spring of 1999, they were very active participants in every aspect of that weekend conference, including spending quality time alone with each other, as was instructed by our retreat leaders, Warren and Diane Jones. And uh, as, uh, as proof positive, nine months later, Tyler was born. <laughs> they just gave it all, you know, they just gave everything there. <laughs> uh, Eric's got a very humorous story that I will not dare not tell from up here that you get him to tell it sometime. Uh, uh, please, I won't, I won't, I promise, I won't, no. that's enough, all right, all right. But during the three years that Eric served at Antioch, I made it a priority for us to meet at least once a week to, uh, for prayer and encouragement, and on occasion, some gentle, loving correction. There, that, was, that was very rare. Uh, Eric was very mature for his age, and there was not a lot of that that was necessary. But on the rare occasion when I did have to correct him, Eric uh, always received it with humility and submission and a, and a commitment not to uh, commit that transgression again. And he didn't. He, he learned quick. Uh, we had a great relationship, uh, witnessed the Lord doing some awesome things in the lives of people that he had blessed us to lead there. And then in the summer of 2001, I heard that y'all were looking for a minister to students here at First Baptist Lindale. So um, I called up Brother Tim, and I said, uh, well, I've got a recommendation for you. And he said, okay, let's hear it. And I said, uh, I said for, your, for your youth position, your minister to students, and he said, well, who is it? And I said, Eric Welch. And he said, no, wait a minute. And that's your youth director? I said, yeah. He said, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and I said, well, actually, uh, not much. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, that if God so leads, this will be a great opportunity for Eric to, to use his talents and his gifts and his abilities that God has given him in a greater way to influence more people. And I said, he's a young family, he, uh, and he could use some extra money, and we just can't pay him enough. And so Tim said, well, I've never had this happen before. I'm a little suspicious, but since you called, I'll talk to him. And so Tim found out very quickly, as I did, uh, that uh, Eric was the real deal. And uh, so uh, he led you as a church uh, to call Brother Eric as your minister to students. And, you know, uh, 16 and a half years ago, October the in October of 2001. Let me, let me tell you what I know about our God. I know that our God is omniscient, and I know that He is in control of all things. He's sovereign, right? He knows all things, and He's in control of all things. So what I know is that 16 and a half years ago, when God brought Eric here as your minister to students, he knew that today would be his first official day as a senior pastor of First Baptist Church, Lundell, Georgia. That's the God we serve. Nothing takes him by surprise. He's very, he's very detailed in everything he does, and he knows all things. And he knew that he's been preparing that young man to lead you to greater heights, to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I am thankful that God has done that. You know, uh, I, I talked with Eric and 
He said it wasn't unanimous, but it was a majority vote. And, I, well, you know, that's, that's common. You know, not everyone believes that the church knows what they're doing. Not everyone believes <laughs> that the church leadership and the pastor staff, uh, pastor search committee knows exactly what they're doing and have some reservations about a young man that's never been a senior pastor. Well, I understand all those things. But, um, you know, my prayer is that... Um, those that weren't convinced that Eric is a man, it's not going to take long for them to realize that, yeah, this is God's will, and, uh, and he's going to use this man. But, you know, and I've heard it said before, and I, I'm pretty sure Brother Bob has said it as well, some people would not be pleased if Jesus himself was their pastor. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. I want you to imagine with me a moment some of the complaints that might be against Jesus. I know he's the son of God, but you'd think he'd get that stringy haircut. <laughs> well, that robe Jesus had on today, that was hideous. Well, those folks that were visiting will never come back again after he wore that in church. Or, if I hear one more sermon on the cross and the blood, I'm going to throw up. Doesn't he know anything else? Yeah, some would even have, have some issues with Jesus if he was their pastor. But I hope and pray for Eric's sake. There's not a representative of that hypercritical cold water fraternity here at First Baptist. Uh, and if they are, I pray that they'll repent and get saved soon. Okay. See, I don't have to stand here. Well, y'all can be mad at me. That's okay. I'm across, I'm across the creek over there. All right. <laughs> okay. On a much more serious note. Even though Eric has been officially your pastor for a couple of weeks now, this installation service today ceremonially marks the beginning of his pastoral ministry here at First Baptist Lindale. Corporately, we believe that the will of Almighty God for this position of spiritual leadership in this church has been revealed through the unanimous recommendation of your pastor search committee through your vote and that God is pleased with your decision and that you are now poised he is now poised to lead you into new opportunities for ministry, service, and spiritual and numerical growth under Brother Eric's leadership. I believe that. I believe that. And just to settle something right here, we're not in competition with y'all. Okay? I guarantee you, there's, a, there's enough lost people within hearing of my voice right near to fill both of these churches. So we're not in competition. I'm thankful that God blesses both ministries. God is doing a great work in each one. Oh, in case you didn't know, I'm over at Pleasant Valley South. Okay, all right, just settle that. All right. So, through the words of the Apostle Paul to his son in the faith, Timothy, I, I solemnly charge you, Brother Eric, in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant or ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Now, for just the next few moments, I want us to look at that passage of Scripture. Notice with me the seriousness of this charge. It says, in the presence of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It has been said that every minister who is called by Jesus Christ constantly ministers under the omniscient scrutiny of his divine presence. 
Equally sobering is the realization that the ministry we offer up is subject to his divine judgment at the Bema seat of the judgment seat of Christ. We are going to be held accountable. All of us. Notice the source for the pastor's proclamation. Preach what? The word. Preach the word. Contrary to what many preachers seem to believe today, in particular those who waste about 70% of their time in the pulpit telling jokes and stories that don't have anything to do with the scripture, the preaching ministry of the local church is not about entertainment. Did you hear me? It's not about entertainment. Y'all can get entertained on TV. You'll need forgiveness for most of that if you do, but you can. Entertainment can happen a lot different. This is not about entertainment. This is not about making you happy. This is about preaching the word and let the Holy Spirit of God, as that word is proclaimed, take that word and impact your heart and convict you of the sin that lies within that will cause you to repent and turn. That's what it's about. And that's what God has called Brother Eric to do. Why the word? Why preach the word? Because unlike any other book that has ever been written, the word of God, according to Hebrews 4.12, is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. Listen to this. And it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It's not just any old book. It's the divinely inspired, God-breathed Word of God. That's what makes it different. It is the Word of God, boldly proclaimed by the man of God and empowered by the Spirit of God that can change a person's heart and to transform him or her into a born-again child of God. Next we find the season of the pastor's commission. It says, be ready in season and out of season. I prefer the King James translation here. It says, be instant in season and out of season. You know, we... I came to your beast feast last night. That's great. If you left there hungry, it was your own fault. There's plenty of food. A lot of different, there was some of it I wasn't going to eat because I've tried it before and I know what it does to my digestive system. So I didn't want to even go there. But it was good. I mean, just about anybody could eat pork. And that was good. But, you know, there was something about that. Most of the guys there, they, they live from one hunting season to the next. Some of you guys do, right? Y'all enjoy hunting, right? And, but there's one thing about that. They are prohibited by law from hunting their prey when it's out of season, right? You get a hefty fine. You may get your license taken away. You may get your gun and your truck taken away. If you take a truck away from a guy, he's dead. He's, he's gone. <laughs> For Pastor Eric, there's no out of season. There's no closed season for proclaiming God's word. Instant in season and out of season. That readiness comes through a diligent, unrelenting study of God's word, an intimate connection with the Father through prayer and understanding that word, and a humble submission to the Holy Spirit's leading in the proclamation of that word. Dr. John MacArthur describes the minister's readiness in this way. The faithful preacher must be ready in season and out of season, when it is convenient and when it is not, when it is immediately satisfying and when it is not, when from a human perspective it seems suitable and when it does not. His proclaiming God's word must not be dictated by popular culture and propriety, by tradition, by esteem in the community or even in the church, but solely by the mandate of the Lord. 
Finally, there's the scope of the pastor's commission. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering, with all patience and teaching. Here Paul identifies the three requirements for effective pastoral leadership, Brother Eric. To reprove is to lovingly correct the misbehaving one. To rebuke is to sternly warn the erring one. To exhort is to joyfully encourage the downtrodden one towards spiritual maturity. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Now to you, church, the single most important thing that you can do for that man and his family is pray for him. Pray for him. Pray sincerely. Pray humbly. And pray frequently. Someone that's not in the ministry has no clue what is required. Some of you say, I have 24-7 jobs. If you're not in the ministry, you don't have 24-7 like that man's going to have. But that doesn't give you permission to wear him out either. Did you hear me, church? That doesn't give you permission. He's got a family just like you do. He's got other responsibilities just like you do. But he takes his responsibility. God's given him seriously. Pray for him. Pray for him on a regular basis. To the members of the church at Ephesus, Paul asked them to pray for me. That utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. I can assure you, Lindell, first, if you pray this prayer for Brother Eric every day, you'll be astounded at the boldness and the power and the passion in his messages. And the accompanying demonstrations of the work of the Holy Spirit is evidenced by changed and surrendered lives. You pray that prayer for him. I dare you, I double dog dare you to pray that prayer for your pastor and see what happens. Secondly, church, honor and protect your pastor's time in his study. As he prays for divine guidance and strength, as he studies and processes the immeasurable truths of the word of God, and then as he prepares messages that will boldly proclaim the mysteries of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that lives may be radically changed. Honor that time for him. Protect that time for him. And I know there's going to be exceptions. There's going to be surgeries, deaths, births, all kind of things. Because I know Eric, he's going to have a time set aside where that's going to be his priority. Protect that for him. You'll be blessed many times over from what God will do through the messages that he, will, that he will proclaim before you. Protect it. Thirdly, do not fail to encourage Pastor Eric to spend quality time with his family. Realizing that the impressionable years for his children are numbered and once they're gone, they cannot be recalled. most tragic stories you'll hear today is a pastor that just immersed himself in ministry at the expense of his family. He ends up, his family leaves him. His life is destroyed. That's a tragedy. It should never happen. Encourage him to spend time with his family. Be careful not to make such pastoral demands on Brother Eric that his family unity and overall well-being is placed in jeopardy. Speaking the voice of experience, I made a lot of those mistakes. That balance between pastoral duties and family responsibilities can be quite elusive. 
and the fine line which separates the two downright ambiguous at times. Finally, church, expect excellence but not perfection. He's human just like you are, just like I am. He will make mistakes. If he's not making mistakes, it's because he ain't doing nothing. Okay? Really, think about it. I mean, he's going to make some mistakes. They won't be intentional. He's not trying to hurt anybody. He's not trying to upset you. But he's not perfect. But expect that when he stands here as God's spokesman, he's given you his very best. Because he's been in the Word. He's allowed the Holy Spirit to process that Word within him and let him form in his mind how that will be the most effectively communicated to you. And as it's communicated, the Holy Spirit will take that Word and lives are changed. That's what it's all about. And he's the man. He's the man. You know, when I was at Antioch, I told him first thing. Of course, that was my first church. Tell you right off, uh, I made a lot of mistakes because that was really my last church <laughs> as the senior pastor. Or as the only, you know, that's another thing. My wife said, you don't ever tell people that you're the senior pastor at Antioch. You're the only pastor at Antioch. <laughs> you know, you can build yourself up. Oh, yeah, I'm senior pastor out there in Texas Valley. Yeah. You're the only pastor. Until Eric came along anyway. Yeah. And I told him, I said, I won't be perfect, but I said, I will love you. He'll love you. That's a man that's full of love, and he'll love every one of you. Now, some of you are harder to love than others, amen? <laughs> and if I looked right at you, it wasn't intentionally, okay? I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't spot anybody back there. I was just talking, okay? <laughs> but some people are harder to love than other people, right? But you support him as he seeks to love you with the love of Jesus Christ because that's his servant and that's what he wants. In closing, I leave you with a verse from the Apostle Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, which if practiced by all professing Christians, this would eliminate 95% of the interpersonal conflicts that plague the church today. Under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, Paul admonishes us to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And here's the model. Just as God in Christ forgave you. If you say, well, I just can't forgive him or I can't forgive her, the Lord says, I can't forgive you. If you can't forgive those who trespassed against you, the Lord said, I can't forgive you for your sins. We've been forgiven much. And if we would just exercise, be kind to one another. You know, I was taught as a kid, just be, if you can't do anything else, Billy, you, at least you can be kind. And we can. But that kindness, when it's exercised by a born-again believer of God, it just, it just melts hearts. And it just opens up doors that can't be opened any other way. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted and forgiving one another just as God in Christ also forgave you. Amen? Amen. I want to ask Brother Eric to come forward here now and be seated. This may be a little different than anything that you've ever seen before, but that's okay. You know, Jesus, when he, as we read in the Gospels, 
And Jesus was, he spent three and a half years uh, preparing, thank you, brother, um, preparing his disciples for the time when he would leave. Now, Jesus knew that that was the only time he had, and he poured his life into his disciples. And there were teaching points along that road in those three and a half years that Jesus said some things and did some things that had just an indelible, made such an indelible impression on the minds and the hearts of his followers. And Jesus would say, you know, there was one day when some of the disciples were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in his kingdom, who was going to be able to sit on his right and left. And you know what Jesus did? He took a little child. And he set that little child in their midst. And he said, you know what? You're worried about who's going to be the greatest? Unless you humble yourself as this little child, you're not even going to make it into the kingdom. For greatness is reflected in humility in his kingdom. Jesus said, he who wants to be great among you, let him be your servant. Now I want you to imagine, again, Jesus has poured his life into these disciples. and He, uh, on the night before, or the night that he was arrested, the day before his crucifixion, Jesus wanted to give the, the disciples an example of what it meant to be a leader in his kingdom. And so the Bible says that Jesus got up after supper and he took a pail and filled it with water and then he did something for these disciples that took their breath. They realizing that this was the Messiah. This was God's son. This was Christ incarnate. And what he did, he got before those disciples and he took their shoes off They didn't have on socks then, but if they had it, he'd have taken them off too. <laughs> but he took off those sandals and he proceeded to wash their feet. Now, in a home in that day, in the first century, this chore was reserved for the lowest of the low. Okay? They had servants and then they had slaves. And there was a pecking order for the slaves and the very last on that totem pole, the lowest, he would perform this. So when Jesus came before his disciples and you know, he took off those sandals, they'd been walking on those dusty roads. He took those off and he scrubbed and he rubbed. And you know, Peter in particular said, Lord, don't just wash my feet. Wash my whole body. And the Lord said, Peter, you don't understand what I'm doing right now, but one day you will. And so he took a rag and he, he washed.
chopped them off. And he said to them, if you want to be a leader in my kingdom, if you want to impress upon others what it means to be a follower of Christ, if you want to be used of my Holy Spirit, whom I'm going to send to fill you and to empower you, to lead others to surrender their lives to me, then this is the kind of leadership that is going to be required. You know, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Philippi, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a what? A servant, a servant, and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. He said, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The mind of Christ. Stand up, my brother. This is a, a new day for First Baptist Lindale, Georgia. This is a day of new beginnings. Not that you've been a failure in the past, but God has looked down upon this church and he's called this man to lead you to greater heights. A new day. You know, at the end of every service, we give you an opportunity for it to be a new day for you. You know, the Bible says that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That old things have passed away and all things have become new. The Bible says that we're all sinners. And it says that the wages of sin is death. It also says that God commended his love for, towards us and that while we were still in our sin, Christ died for us. And then Paul wrote in Romans 10, 9, he said, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be forgiven. You'll be cleansed. You may say, Brother Billy, I, you don't know what I've done. I don't have to. The Lord will forgive you. The Lord will forgive you. Today, if you're here, you have never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. What a greater, what a greater celebration. It's been a great celebration. My goodness. This, this singing has been awesome. Uh, just the fellowship has just been unbelievable. But what, what a crown it would put upon this day if someone who's never been saved should surrender their life to Christ. Be the first of many uh, under this man's leadership.
I ask you, if you've never trusted Jesus, that you consider that today. The Holy Spirit will draw you to himself. You come, Pastor Eric is going to be down here in front. You come and he'll, he'll take God's word and he'll tell you what it means to have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. We're going to spend a few moments together making a commitment of a pastor and people together here. And uh, that's to double your salary every year. That's a lie. I don't feed him these jokes to tell y'all, please. But this is a time of commitment of pastor and people. And on the screens, you'll find responses and your opportunity along with Eric uh, to commit to ministering together to grow the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, as uh, we share together, when it comes your portion, would you respond accordingly to that which is being presented? Eric, having been called to be the pastor of this church, do you take this people to be your people, this field of labor to be your field without reservation of mind or heart? I do. Do you promise to give yourself faithfully to the ministry, to the word and to prayer, to be a good shepherd of this flock of God, to minister to the needs of all alike, to be the friend of all who will permit you, to seek the salvation of souls and the nurture of the saved, to put the services of Christ and his kingdom above all else. If wrong, to forgive as you expect to be forgiven, to seek always to keep yourself mentally alert and physically fit as much as in you lies, to be at peace with all people and to lead this church in ways of Christ as the Holy Spirit gives you wisdom and strength. Do you promise to hear attentively the preaching of the word, to participate reverently in the services of worship, to share with this pastor in the responsibilities of teaching and learning, to assume your proportionate part of the church's benevolent ministries, to receive him into your hearts and homes, to counsel with him about the welfare of the church and the winning of souls, to encourage him in his stand for right, to forgive him when he makes mistakes, and to follow his leadership as he follows Christ. Let us together reaffirm our high resolution and devotion to preaching the good tidings of salvation. To teaching, uh, to teaching Jesus' way of life. To leading children and youth to the knowledge of the love of Christ. To healing broken bodies and soothing troubled minds. To caring for the helpless and providing relief for all those who look to us for help. To evangelize the community and extending the kingdom of God worldwide. And may God's blessing rest upon both you and the people together as you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it says in the program here something about a gift. You don't think we have it? We have it? We, well, wait, wait just a second. We wait, wait. It, but it's not. It's here. Up, oh, stand to the rest of you. 
that, I think that, Dan's going to get it. I think, I think that's the fastest he's moved since he's been in town. I know where there is another gift that I need to get down here and get. Right under your seat there. In that bag. All right. Very good. Uh, Eric, one of the things that's going to happen as a pastor, Brother Billy can attest to this also, is that you're going to have people to call and say, I need to come by and talk to you. And when they get there, they don't want to talk to you. They want to tell on somebody. Yep. Yep. And then they want you to take care of the person they're telling on. Right. Okay. All right. So some time ago I heard about this, and it, it works wonders. It works wonders. So I, I, I didn't go to, uh, well, I, I, I bought you a nice thing here. Well, them moleskins, them moleskin books, you know, that cost a lot. They last a long time, alphabetized. Isn't that, isn't that pretty? Nice. Yeah, yeah. So when somebody comes to you and says they want to talk to you about somebody else in the church, I want you to get this book out. No, listen, listen, listen to me, please. I want you to get this book out, and when they start talking, say to them, I want to write down here in summary statements what you're telling. And so you write it down under the name of the person who's telling you, okay? And then when they finish telling you, you read it back to them and ask them if that's what they told you. Then turn the book around and say, I want you to sign this. And then when you go talk to the person that they want you to talk to, you can open your book and say, I want to tell you what so-and-so said about you. Mm -hmm. Isn't that the way it ought to be? Amen. So here it is. Nothing is written in it. Now, you'll probably get a lot of notes today since there's yeah. a big crowd. <laughs> but the wonderful thing about this I don't have any notes in mine. When people come to know that you're going to be the same with all of them, and you have to stand behind your word, it's amazing what it does to the cohesiveness of the church. If you're going to talk about somebody, talk to him first. The church has a presentation to you. This is a set of the commentaries. John MacArthur's New Testament commentaries. Here's uh, Matthew, and I guess that other one is the other volume of Matthew. Ma uh, marvelous material to, to aid you in study and uh, exposition of the word from one of uh, America's best. So there they are. Thank you. Uh, Now, you got to be praying for this girl. We're going to talk a lot about him. She's got to put up with a preacher. <laughs> and one thing that you want to do is to make sure that you're encouraging Miss Kim as often as you can. And the uh, prayers that you have for her and the blessings of God upon she and the boys. Did the boys play 
instruments around home also? Do they, they do good, good, great. Well, boys make a joyful noise <laughs> so that the discipline will come. We're going to have lunch together. You're all invited across in the Christian Life Center, and uh, you'll find opportunities during this time to speak to this family and let them know how delighted you are to have them, and you'll be praying for them, and you'll be present. You'll be present. You'll be where? Okay. All right. Let's just make sure remember you're in the Lord's house. Let me lead us in a benediction and a blessing, and would you stand with me, please, as we do that?